Hey everybody, it's Travis from The Berm Show. There's a brand new app called Lower 22 Vets for veterans and active duty military members. This app combats suicide amongst veterans by bringing veterans together. So please go check it out. Sign up is free and it's easy and there's monthly giveaways. You can find the app on Google Play and Apple Store. So sign up now. Thank you. My time at West Point was amazing. Uh, you know, really met, met lifelong friends. Uh, got a lot of structure, a lot of discipline that I, I needed. Grew up in a very small town in Rhode Island. Um, and, you know, I was, I was a good kid growing up, no problems, didn't cause any trouble, but you need structure. And being 18 years old, you, you think you got it all figured out. And so the structure and the discipline of West Point was super helpful for me. Um, Along the way, sort of as the war progressed and I, I entered college in 2005, so things were really starting to ramp up at that time, transitioning from just Afghanistan to Iraq. And this was real. And, and as we progressed through school and when I graduated in 2009, it was very obvious that my classmates and I were going to war and we were going to contribute in, in some way. Uh, I chose to serve in the infantry, which felt mm -hmm. to me like the, the best option. Um, to be able to lead people, to be able to contribute to the war effort. It just, just felt like a great fit. Um, and I was very fortunate to be able to get the post that I wanted, which was Fort Drum, served with the 10th Mountain Division. I was very proud to be able to deploy to Afghanistan, to RC South with the 10th Mountain Division, and spent the uh, both the best and the worst year of my life in Southern <laughs> Africa. Um, I, I missed out on a trip to Iraq, but I did spend time in Afghanistan, and uh, it was just a incredible experience that has shaped the route. I'm 35 now. I was 22, 23 when I deployed. And uh, it's something I think about every single day still. Yeah, that gets to be intense. Like I was wondering, you know, you're going to school, you're doing all this stuff and that like the buildup to it. I'm sure it's exciting when it actually happens. Is there like a holy crap moment? Like this is, this is really going down like this. We, we yeah. talked about, we joked about it, you know, and now, we're actually going and, you know, calling your folks and telling them like, Hey, I'm actually going into the heat of battle. Basically you're going, you're mm -hmm. on the boots on the ground. So, I mean, how does that go? Yeah. It's funny. You mentioned that, uh, you do joke about it and you do romanticize it and you talk about it with your friends. And I had some friends who deployed ahead of me. And so I, I got a feel for what things were like and, uh, what the environment was like and keys to success and things to not do. Of course, you don't know anything until it actually happens. <laughs> right? You can prepare all you want, but there's nothing like the real thing to, to give you the full experience. That being said, I, I will never forget it. I remember exactly what you're talking about. And there was a, a moment, a crucible moment, if you will. And you spend a whole year training, going through different exercises, probably most importantly, building trust with your guys with those 35 guys you're going to deploy with and you become a family with them. But I remember being on the flight line about to get on that first plane from Fort Drum. My <laughs> then girlfriend, now wife was there. My parents were there and you're standing right next to a, uh, like a chain link fence, your hands on the fence and they're on the other side of the fence and you get like a two minutes to say goodbye. Oh gosh. And I remember thinking it's, unlikely but it's possible this is the last time i ever see these people 
in real life. That's a really sobering moment. And then you think about the guys you're going with too, and it's the exact same situation for them and how, although it's a small odd for you to not be able to come back, you're responsible for them coming back. And it's, it's an amazing, incredible responsibility, but it is scary. Yeah, I can only imagine. I mean, luckily I was in the Navy, so I didn't experience it to that extreme. <laughs> My deployment was a lot different, but uh, mm. I mean, I like you're saying though, like you do look at the guys next to you. Like I, I talked about that all the time. It's the people you you're actually serving with. There's it's it's a weird experience. How a lot of people don't know exactly how it feels. It's hard to even explain, I guess, mm. because everybody is from different walks of life. It's not like you're going to war with your best friend from high school or growing up. It's, it's somebody you barely know, or maybe just met. Um, and then you're sharing all these experiences, you know, like you're saying you're in a leadership role. So for you, it's like, I'm sure you felt like their lives are in your hands a little bit. You got to make the right call. They got families that they're trying to get back to. So do you. So it's like, how do you, I guess my next question would be like, how do you even, like compartmentalize all this information you got to do all the all the the fine detail the the pressure of like okay i don't know how many men or women you had serving with you or that you were under you but bringing those folks home you know try to do that the best of your ability and knowing that shoot maybe i'm sure there's part of you that thinks i might lose some people and then how do you even handle that if you have i guess i mean that got to be a game changer at 22 no years old right it's <laughs> an incredible weight and an incredible responsibility to put on a 22 year old which now being 35 i look back and i i'll see a person who's 22 years old i'm like man this, this is a kid <laughs> <laughs> right and uh i think something you said that really resonated with me is compartmentalize which is what you have to do and you have to take your personal feelings, your fears, your anxieties, the concerns about you and put those in a box and, and lock them away and never think about that. And the reality is whether, whether or not that's healthy mentally, yeah. I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I think the reality is, you know, you're in charge of, and in this case, I had 35 men who served with me. Holy and wow. You know, many, uh, every infantry platoon leader is the same, same way, right? Responsible for the lives of 35 men and, your partnership with your platoon sergeant who's the guy who actually knows what he's doing versus the lieutenant who doesn't know what he's doing and so, <laughs> <laughs> which was me by the way uh good partnership there and and you have to learn to rely on those people like family uh you come to care about them like family but it it certainly weighs on you and and you do weigh the gravity of every decision you make every decision you decide not to pursue how is that going to play out as it relates to to the safety of these people and then the reality is which is something very very difficult and i think likely every combat veteran struggles with this is you know that it's the mission the men and then me but how can you look to your left and your right to those people you've come to rely on like family and not think about them first it's really hard it's it's a natural conflict between the mission and the men, uh, and it's something I struggled with at the time. It's something I think about every single day now, particularly for the the fourteen men that we lost as a battalion, for the eight men that I was very close to who we lost. Uh, think about it all the time, and it's it's something that 
most combat veterans struggle with. Um, and in army or in the military in general, there's at least somewhat of a shared understanding that you can have some semblance of conversation about that. Mm -hmm. But when you transition to the civilian world, you got to be real careful about who you share that with, how you share it, if you share it. And I think all of that manifests itself as conflict in different ways for different people, which I suspect is part of the, the challenge that people struggle with on a daily basis. You're not going to go start talking to your boss about combat losses, right? Or <laughs> your buddy on the weekend, you, you got to, there's a time and a place to talk about those things. I think it's critically important that everyone feels comfortable. Every veteran feels comfortable talking about whatever it is that weighs on them because it builds up. But yeah. And that's, that's uh, one of the things that I've harped on a few times on a couple different, a couple different folks, you know, it's like, it's, it's easy to, to not share or express how, what, what you're going through, especially with family. I think that's, that's like always the first go for me is like, I mean, with friends, it's a little bit different even, but with family, it's, it's extremely hard because obviously you don't want them to, to freak out that you're going through something. And I think for my, in my experience, like I've, I've mentioned before, that's how I was. It's how do I tell my family what I'm going through without all of a sudden my mom's flying down and my dad's flying down, checking up on me or calling me every five minutes, making sure I'm okay. My right. wife doing the same thing, you know, so you kind of hunker down. You're like, all right, but then it, it does eat at, at you. You know, I'm sure mm -hmm. you know exactly how that feels. Like if you don't say something, don't sh even if it's not in detail, but just to say, Hey, I'm not feeling a hundred percent right now. Like I'm going through something's even just hard to say to, to a loved one, a friend, uh, a coworker, whatever it is. I, I think I'm not sure if it's like a masculinity thing or a pride thing, or I think part of it is kind of that um, you join the military because you like kind of like a lot. I think a lot of folks do for the reasons you you're kind of hinting at mm -hmm. as well. You know, you want to be part of something bigger. So then you just, you feel a responsibility to protect people and you're also protecting them from, what you're going through by not telling them what you're going through. And uh, it's, it's a hard act to juggle. Cause like, as you said too, I mean, we come out of the military and I went straight to college and it's like, man, I, at 20, I'm seeing 22, the 18, 22 year old kids. I'm like, my goodness. Like they're like moaning about reading, having to read a book and stuff. Oh, I know we got to write an extra two pages on this paper. I'm like, Holy crap, man. That's, that's insane. That at 18 years old, that's eating you up. That was freaking. gets for most people. <laughs> yeah. It, that was like the hardest transition is mm -hmm. sitting in class and just listening to other people, like even my own age. Cause I got out at 22. So it was like, mm -hmm. Oh my God, like we're the same age. There's no way there's, there's I don't feel any connection to you besides our, our age. It's yeah. insane. Um, but yeah, it's crazy. I'm, I mean, joining the, being on the boot or boots on the ground like that, just it's a different level for sure. I mean, I don't know how it is to, to lose anybody. Luckily. I mean, we've, we've had people jump off the ship when I was in Navy, but I mean, we're just like, whatever, you know, <laughs> you, you always don't feel bad. You're like, what the hell is that person doing? Uh, <laughs> like you have to really go out of your way to get hurt. Or right. significantly significantly hurt um but yeah i mean that's that's crazy that's sad i mean for those 14 individuals that you said 
Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know how how anybody deals with that. That got to be. That's it's be and you know something that I've become very passionate about, and it's helped spur my motivation to start this company is that speaking to someone aspect. And to your point earlier, I've been married for 10 years. I have spoken very infrequently about, if ever, about my war experience with my wife. I just haven't because I don't want to put that on her. Right. And for eight years after getting back from Afghanistan, I resisted really talking to anyone except people I went with about the experience or how I was feeling or whatever and put it in a box and you lock it away and you think you're good because that's <laughs> what we're trained to do right in the military you say you're good rub some dirt on it figure it out move on and I didn't have some sort of crucible moment some sort of incident or episode but there was a point where I said this is starting to affect me I can feel it I can I can feel my soul eating away, slipping away from me. <laughs> I've been talking to someone for the last two years and it's been incredibly helpful. And so something I'm really passionate about, I always encourage people, it doesn't have to be a spouse, doesn't have to be a family member, doesn't have to be a friend, but you should find someone yeah. because holding on to that experience, <laughs> and ideally someone who's, I always say this in a way that, that I hope doesn't sound offensive, but it might be someone who I respect but I don't know personally. So I don't care about unloading a bunch of stuff on them because I'm not going to see them. I don't hang out with them. And so you don't feel bad and you don't feel guilty and it allows you to release that, that guilt and that heaviness that you would feel speaking about this to someone you genuinely care about on a personal level, family member, friend, loved one. And I think that can help people bridge the gap, but you're right. There is that, machismo aspect there is that we're genuinely trained in the military to not talk about our problems to figure it out yeah. move on, right you're trained that way so your mind it goes that direction naturally and you have to resist it but i think the reality that we're in now we have so many veterans so many people who deployed to combat zones who've seen terrible things and of course it applies to law enforcement and first responders and athletes and you know victims of sexual violence domestic violence it's really horrifying how yeah. common and prevalent it's it's almost more likely to find someone uh who is experiencing ptsd than someone who is not and so I, I think it starts with having a conversation and being comfortable finding someone to talk to and to unburden yourself because no one should have to hold that in yeah i think that's i don't think that's offensive either to say though you know find somebody that you don't know you know, I, I think that's probably the best way to go, to be honest, because there's no um, emotional tie to that individual. Like you can get off your chest. They'll, like you said, they'll absorb it. They'll mm -hmm. talk, talk to you, talk it out. Now, like you said, maybe bridge that gap. I mean, we get a little bit more comfortable. Maybe you do share something with a family member, a friend, um, you know, be like, hey, this is what I've been going through and I've been working on it. Um, but here's a little bit of what has been eating at me. I'm not going to go into full detail, you know, but mm -hmm. I think that certainly helps. Uh, those are all things I wish I would have done when I first got out. I mean, I, I think, uh, I'm not sure if everybody's like this, but I certainly was, I was kind of resentful and mad 
at the same time at myself. I was like, man, I didn't want to get out of the Navy, but I did. And I'm just now I'm stuck in this civilian world and I freaking hate it. Yeah. I hate everybody. Everybody just pisses me off all the time, you know, and um, and it's funny because I like as mad as I was I always I had a first class petty officer who I respected a whole lot. And before I even got out, he told me he's like, because I was eager to get out too. I was like, I can't wait to get out. I can't wait to go to school. And uh, he even told me, he's like, it's not as easy as you think, mm-hmm. you know, when you get out. And I wish I would have listened to him. I was like, yeah, whatever. I was like, hey, it, it is what it is. And I got out and then waking up that next morning, just like, holy crap. Like, this is, this is it. Like, I'm out here. I don't have a job. What right? do I, do? I mean, it's just, what the hell do you do? It's like the, it's the weirdest, of, like, oh shit moment. I think any military person's probably ever had is that next morning. It's like the purpose isn't there. The the person that like in the Navy, we we sleep in a in racks they are three high. So and across from each other. So it's like, man, I used to wake up my best friend every day. It's like and now I'm not waking up wake to wake him up, you know, and go do whatever. It's it's such a like a shell shock moment that next morning. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think it's extremely important to find somebody to talk to. Yeah. Um, I wish there was more more conversation around it 10 years ago than there is now. It seems like it's way more prevalent. Um, I also think, like what you said, it's not just strictly military. Um, the older I've gotten and the, and the few family members I've been in uh, um, as a, or served as a first responder, either firefighter, EMT, and stuff like that, so, and some are nurses and in that field. It's kind of opened my eyes up a little bit more too. It's like, hey, it's not just us veterans who've laced up boots. It's it's the per- the person that's opening the freaking back of the ambulance and loading people up. It's the firefighter that's getting called to a scene and at a car crash and persons whatever's happened to them. Fire or same thing. Uh, law enforcement they see some horrific horrific things and then uh, just go home that the next day or that night and have kids and have a wife. I can't right. imagine how that's that just you. Without the time separation, you got to go home immediately and try to be normal. I think about that all the time. That's got to be yeah. impossible. I can open a beer. And it's like, it's insane. Yeah, man. <laughs> but I do think it's cool that your, your company encompasses that too. And like you said, those who've gone through extreme traumas, like, I mean, mm-hmm. they, I wonder if there's any similarity in, in a sense where if a veteran or just even a first responder were to talk to somebody that's gone through, I don't know, somewhere they've been severely beaten or some type of trauma or rape or something like that, they could find some type of um, like common ground or just at least uh, not as much anxiety if they were to talk to somebody mm-hmm. and experience something else in a different way but i'm not sure if you've experienced that with what you're doing yet it's really interesting you say that and i i mentioned when we were chatting before the show that part of my inspiration for starting this company was to reach out to everyone who's experiencing mental health challenges the after effects of ptsd who survived trauma and it's not just veterans it's not really surprising to me now, but when I was planning this out and starting to <laughs> put together the mechanics of the company, 
I thought it would be easy to connect with everyone, to educate everyone just naturally based on my network and my experience and even the language and the manner in which I explain the company and the mission and the vision, it's taken a path towards veterans issues, which I'm totally fine with, by the way, because yeah. I want as many, as many people <laughs> well about this company. I want to sell as many shirts as I can so I can donate as much as I can. So I'll take what I can get. But the intent is to connect with everyone, not just veterans. And it's really interesting that you say that about is there a link potentially between one person's experience and another? And uh, I'm, I'm not a mental health professional, so I couldn't explain this in an educated way, but I'll tell you that from my experience, there is. And I've had that experience. And um, something that's interesting that I think veterans in particular do, unfortunately, I certainly have done this and perhaps you have as well, is we we get out our measuring sticks of who who's been traumatized more. Who's, you know, oh, you lost 10 guys. I lost 20 guys. You lost 30 guys. It's, it's all, you were even doing it before. Awesome. Dude jumped off the ship, you know, like (laughs) it's bad no matter what happens. And you're, you're okay for saying that you're struggling regardless of what happened. It could be your dog getting run over in the street. That's traumatic. It's a member of your family, right? Like that. It's okay. If that affects you negatively and you are struggling dealing with that, it doesn't have to be something that made the news. Right. And Mm -hmm. I've had this experience in my life, speaking with others, getting close to others who are not veterans, who've had horrific traumatic things happen to them. And it's been really fascinating to better understand that while everyone processes this experience differently, there are a ton of similarities. And a lot of the things that, um, that I've struggled with, that friends of mine who are veterans have struggled with, these people are struggling with as well. But in a lot of ways, they didn't know what they were walking into, like we did when we volunteered for the military. Mm-hmm. They weren't, we weren't very well trained as as military people to deal with mental health challenges, but we were at least <laughs> expecting terrible, difficult situations. And we at least had brothers to our left and right, brothers and sisters. I keep saying, sorry, I keep saying men because I was in the infantry. We only had men at that time. I know it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's different now. Yeah, there's infantrymen or infantry women, which is really cool now. Uh, but when I was there, it's only men. So that was a whole other deal is when I got out is learning to work with women. It was a whole nother experience for me that I had to figure out. But, uh, anyway, back to what we were talking about. <laughs> I found that this experience is, is in a lot of ways very similar, but, some of these people who weren't veterans are less equipped, have less support. They were less prepared going into it. And so to a degree, um, I can only imagine how much more difficult that experience is to deal with. And I, I have great respect for, for anyone fighting the good fight, so to speak. And, and the goal is to raise awareness for anyone dealing with these problems. And, to, and a lot of that comes down to resources, right? And making resources available for people making people aware that there's help out there um, and encouraging people to, to keep going because they can't. Exactly. And I I think resources is like you're saying is that's a huge part of it. Um, That's why I like when I forgot, I I don't think I had it recording at the time by accident, but when I was saying, you know, veterans I've noticed have taken a, like a lot, what you're doing, a lot of it, the ownership amongst ourselves to, to seek help or find uh, somebody similar or that was in military as well or some type of uh, level of 
similar issues or problems and we want work together to solve them together. It's starting to happen a lot more on the veteran side where you see that that push has been really huge. It seems like the last like year or two or maybe even a little bit longer, it's really started to pick up. Like I've seen so many charity events popping up and, and it's all veterans that are putting these things together. It's not the VA. It's not some big company. It's a veteran who's gone through some stuff and they're like, you know what? Or they've lost a spouse that was in the military. And they're so now they're taking it amongst themselves to bring awareness to suicide or PTSD, mm-hmm. whatever issues. Um, and I do feel bad for those first responders a lot. Uh, uh, like I said, the older I've, I've gotten, the more I've been sympathetic towards them because nobody ever brings them up ever. in any type of way when it comes to trauma, PTSD, you know, just like we we're kind of joking, like a fire or a cop goes home after he just maybe saw was that a murder scene and he goes home and how is he supposed to be normal or she's supposed yeah. to be normal? I guess they she too, right? I mean, how, how are they supposed to go home and just act like nothing's gone wrong in their lives or they and just see maybe a kid uh, with a severe injury or brutally murdered and then kiss their kids goodnight. Uh, that gets to be some of the most traumatic experiences I can't even imagine. And I wonder when that's going to start happening. We start seeing that way because it doesn't really, there's nothing out there that I've seen or mm-hmm. newsworthy even where they're like, Oh, here's a, uh, first responders, veteran or v- veterans type assistance for them. Right. Instead, they're almost like viewed the opposite, at least for law enforcement. It's like, God, you guys are the worst people in the world. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's how our, it's the, at least the new mainstream media portrays them. It, it's like, I would hate to feel, hear that on the news and then that's... go to a crime scene. You see all these crazy things and then go home and people just hate you. Like, that yeah. gets to be the, the most, I guess I miss with you even more so than mm-hmm. I would imagine than some other fields, you know, that, that gets right. to be significant. So it's totally thankless. I was just thinking about, man. So we both have our, our own ventures here. We can, uh, we could start a joint venture towards first responders and help them out. Yeah. Sure. I know what they need it. They, yeah. I honestly do think they need it. I've always said on veterans day, you know, they, they should get their little shout out too. You know, they're part of it as well. they, if you're volunteering to, I believe, be a part of something much larger than yourself for the greater good of people, yeah. even if you're against war and all that stuff, I know people are like, oh, well, I hate war. Well, mm-hmm. you're still willing to put your life on the line, even if it's whatever your ideology is behind it or how other people view it. You're still willing to do it when other people aren't. Mm-hmm. Um, and those folks deserve that same respect. It takes a brave person to go run to a fire. I know I wouldn't do it. So it's like kudos to that person that's willing to do it because man, that, that takes a different type of courage than than I can imagine. So, yeah. You know, to your point too, about it's, it's something I think about all the time and I'm I'm sure you've had your own experience here uh, speaking about law enforcement or firefighters or, or anyone, you know, seeing something horrific going home, trying to deal with it. All I can say is speak from my own experience is you do turn to coping mechanisms, right? Mm-hmm. Because we're not meant to deal with experiences like this. Your brain cannot process experiences like this. Being in a fight or flight survival scenario for an extended period of time is damaging for your brain. And it changes the way you see the world. 
it changes the way you react to what should be normal scenarios, normal social interactions. And so then when you come from a situation where you're in a survival based environment and your, your body and your brain have to find a way for you to survive, or you're concerned about genuinely dying constantly. And then you go back to going to the supermarket to get food. It, it's very difficult to process that. And so many, many people turn to coping mechanisms, whatever it is. And so, you know, we were talking about it before we were joking a little bit, but yeah, you crack the beer and you start drinking a lot. Uh, I know a lot of people have turned to drugs. There's, there's all manner of coping mechanisms, um, mm -hmm. very few of which are positive. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I'm sure we have our own experiences that I'll, I'll tell you for me, it was, it was drinking way too much. Um, and then I've, I've come to appreciate over, I'm surprised I'm going to say this, but I, I will uh over the last year and a half or so i've come to appreciate that i was intentionally taking it out of myself by not working out and intentionally doing damage to my body in a way that i knew was bad and unhealthy and not exercising which is something i really liked made me feel good and i just wasn't doing it as a way to punish myself it was a weird a weird thing but ev everyone sort of has their own way of dealing with things um and most of them are unhealthy. So yeah. The ability to have this conversation and sort of raise awareness to, you know, what are healthy coping mechanisms? What are things that you can do that help you deal with and process these negative experiences that are so damaging, but to do that in a way that's not um, so harmful to your body, you know, are you trading one evil for another? Could we trade a horrible experience for a positive coping mechanism uh, like working out? Or like yeah. spending time with friends or getting outside or whatever that's all part of it too yeah that's that's extremely important finding that that thing that can kind of put your mind at ease you know because it's easy like i've mentioned before on some other ones it's easy to get stuck in that rabbit hole like it's really mm -hmm. i don't think if people haven't experienced it that's all that's the best way i could put it of personal experience like uh mine was alcohol also yeah i mean i went man I, I need to start working out again to talk about working out because when i was in the navy i was working out and i got out and i just i found the same thing i just yeah start drinking beer like heavily just mm -hmm. all day every day drinking like that's when i knew it was getting bad i'm like man i'm drinking from like 11 o'clock in the morning to maybe six o'clock seven o'clock at night yeah. not just not consistently but i'll have like three or four take a break do something and then drink some more it's like that is freaking insane that is like i think about now like i'm surprised i didn't just die one day because i felt like i was drinking so much and it it wasn't just beer there's times where i'd get bourbon or something too involved and drink like half a bottle and then wake yep. up the next day and it's like what the hell am i doing mm -hmm. you know and it uh, it wasn't until a few years later or even just a few years ago i guess you know where you I start finding these things that can kind of help me out. Like I used to love playing basketball and I neglected playing basketball for, for years. So I started playing again. It's like, man, that's what always eats my mind when I was growing up. If I went through something that I found stressful, it's like, okay, go shoot around. It's easy, easy, eased my mind. And, um, and that's what even James on the last episode I brought up, he mentioned that too, you know, finding something that, doesn't destroy you necessarily you know you finding something that you can find some comfort in like it doesn't matter what it is but it's just make sure it's better than doing damage to your your body your mind those around you 
because I mean, ultimately that's what sucks. We don't want to hurt people near us, but then what we end up doing is hurting them by doing the crap that we end up doing to ourselves. Exactly that. Which is counterintuitive for sure. Right. <laughs> yeah. And you know, it's interesting too. I, I never at the time, uh, took the time to, to think through this, but it all has an effect, right? So if you're drinking too much and you're not working out and you're torturing yourself and ruminating on horrible experiences that you've had in the past, of course, you're not going to be eating well and you're yeah. definitely not going to be sleeping well. And it's definitely going to affect you at work, whatever it is that you're doing, which is going to affect your mood, which is probably going to affect your financial situation, which is going to stress you out even more. And so you put yourself into this spiral of difficult situations on top of all the shit that you're already dealing with. And no wonder people feel like I can't talk to anybody about this. My life sucks. I used to be cool when I was in the military. Now I'm working some bullshit job. I have nothing going right for me. Nobody understands me. Nobody cares. I get it. And it's, I, again, I'm not pretending to be a mental health professional. I'm not, you know, I, I'm not prepared to give advice on any of this, but <laughs> my experience was it just by changing a couple little things and finding that one thing that excites you. And for me, it was try to stop drinking so much and really commit and focus on working out and getting back to something I love. And maybe for you, it was basketball, just by changing a couple little things that weren't hard and that brought me joy and, and really genuinely brought um, light to my life. A lot of other things started getting so much better and it's amazing. Yeah, and I think, I think that's important to, to, to note on it's that it doesn't need to be a drastic change overnight. I think a lot of folks d try to do that. I'm going to work out tomorrow and they go full bore and then they do it for like three days and they stop. I'm that, I'm that yeah, guy. So that's, what I'm saying, but that's me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, I mean, I don't know how many times I've gone to start working out. I do it for like a week, but I've, a lot of people do that. And then they're like, okay, I'm done, you know? Yeah. And, Recently, you know, I've kind of what you're like what you said, you start doing some baby steps. So like I've changed up my eating habits completely. I mean, yeah, that's my one step. I'm like, all right, if I start doing this and do it consistently, this leads yep. to other things. Cause then you start feeling better. I've already felt way more energetic. It's like, okay, eating way more fruit, vegetables, and you know, not eating out as much as mm -hmm. I used to, finding comfort in things that, like you said, are damaging to yourself. Um and I think a lot of people, whether it's your veteran or whatever, I think a lot of people do this in just general. They they try to do the quick fix instead of doing making those. You got to do those baby steps. Yeah. You keep moving forward doing that. You'll you'll eventually get to where you're actually trying to go to. And um, but I think that's hard because in today's society, we want something. We want it done now. Like right. we, I've worked out for a week. I how come I don't have six pack abs? You know, it's like what the hell's going on yeah um so i'm done i'm not getting the results i want that's it so that's that happens a lot you know and it sure does and uh i'm speaking out of experience on that one but <laughs> <laughs> something on that 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 i thought about and i got this from a friend who i'm sure stole it from someone famous but discipline is much more important than motivation in yeah. situations like this and what's really interesting and it's a great advantage for us as veterans we don't do a lot of things really well. We don't do everything really well, right? We, we do have discipline or we could have discipline or we used to have discipline. And so from that perspective, you don't have to fire yourself up. You don't have to, 
you can have bad days. You can have a day where you don't feel like doing it. But if you're disciplined, you make a schedule, you decide on some goals that you want, you decide on you know, just something is better than nothing. I tell myself that all the time. Like anything I do today is better than doing nothing at all. And I think that's an aspect of discipline that we as veterans can can really relate to and can latch on to. And it's a way that we can hopefully pull ourselves back into a little bit more positive cycle and inspire others. Cause you're right. This is a society thing. This isn't just a veteran thing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's definitely a society thing and, um, cause yeah, we do want those quick fixes, you know, and it, and it's, I think this happens also kind of go, picking or going back to just like the mundane everyday thing, going to work. Everybody I'm sure has experienced that where they hate their job. Mm-hmm. Um, you do it, you come home, you just sit down, you drink some more, or you're just eating, you grab a burger on the way home, whatever the hell it is. You hate your, you're like, oh my God, I just hate everything. And it's so easy to get into that mindset also. Yeah. And, and I've noticed that a lot just since I've been, been out. Cause I've got to that point too, where certain jobs I'm like, man, what the hell am I doing? Like this sucks. This is stupid. but it's so hard to get out of that mindset. And I think, I think it's like that for a lot of folks. And and it kind of thinking about what my brother told me one time, um, this is maybe a couple years ago. Um, we're talking about stress and how, you know, Oh man, like I was looking at my son. I was like, Oh no, he stress-free life. You know, he's like two years old. What's bothering him. And my brother was like, well, you got to think he's like, my brother was in the military. He's just, you know, never, never been in, but, I like mm-hmm. what he said. He's like, you got to think what's going on in his life is the most stressful thing for him at this very moment, whether, yeah. you know, he's like, that's the way you got to look at other people just because you, they seem like an ordinary person. Mm-hmm. What's ever happening to them might be the most stressful thing in their lives. Even if you don't find it stressful, maybe yeah. it is for them. And it's, that's been one of those hard things for me to even wrap my mind around or around since I've been out is like, man, I look at these individuals talking about like when you first got out and you see people your own age or younger, you're like, what the hell? Like, that's not that bad. Mm-hmm. Like, that's easy. And I joke about now and I still make fun of those those moments, but I still try to not, I kind of sympathize, but then I don't, I don't know exactly how to get to 100%, 100% being leveled with that, but nobody's perfect. Um, yeah, you know, it's like, I know you're going through it. I know you're going through some stressful things, but is it really that bad? But mm-hmm. um I think that's a hard thing, kind of like you're saying too. You know, we try to, well, my trauma is worse than yours. That's kind of like the same thing in a sense. You know, it's, oh, that's not that bad, but crap. Maybe they got in a car wreck earlier today and they're stressed out and all this crap. You're just like, well, whatever. That's not that Mm bad. Um, That's what, I mean, I guess kind of wrapping this back into like your company and stuff. It's, that's what I do love about, exactly what you're doing specifically because that's first you're the first one i've seen do that or it's at the at least one of the first ones i've seen that have mm-hmm. like a, a whole encompassing thing to it is that you know we're all in this together yeah and like i said i think we I said this before recording but uh i think veterans are really the ones pushing that narrative also is yes. that it's not just us like i i think i had mentioned you know i was at the event the charity event thing and there's a ex Navy uh, officer there and he was like, Hey, if anybody's dealt with suicide, no matter if you're veteran or not, 
you know, we're here for you. And it's like, dang, man, this is most people will think, oh, that's just a veteran. It's a veteran thing, but it's for everybody. I think and maybe that's something has something to do with what join the military means to to like yourself and other veterans or even active duty members now is that you're doing it because you care about the greater good about the people in, in this country. You yeah. genuinely care about them. So doing something like what you're doing, it's like, Hey, I'm here for, for everybody. You know, mm -hmm. it's not just for folks like myself. It's for everybody that needs help. Right. Here's, here's ways to do it. So I mean, I think that's awesome. Yeah. It's a great point, man. I, I appreciate it. And it makes me, there's a couple of things I wanted to share with you specifically. And I was curious to see what you thought, but we, we flirted around this in the beginning. I was curious if you'd have this experience. We said some really eloquent shit before we started recording. So we got <laughs> to rehash that. Uh, but when I got out of the army in 2015, so I was in about six and a half years, it's something that I felt, but I couldn't quite put my finger on. I couldn't fully process until a couple of years later. And then I realized what the bulk of my experience in the civilian world was and, and why it was uncomfortable to a degree So I felt like I'd been dropped off on a different planet and I could speak the language and I could sort of make my way around and I figured it out. And I was very fortunate in that I have a great family and great friends and awesome support network. And so the transition for me specifically was, was very smooth, but I still felt like I was on a different planet. And I'm thinking about things that most of the people in my left and right are not thinking about. And even the phrases, I, I still do it now when <laughs> I have a couple of people I work with that have nine people on my team at work and, and I'll say stuff to them, like, are you tracking? Or there's some other stuff I shouldn't say on here, but I'll say some stuff that I got from the military, from the army. And they look at me like I'm crazy. And it's, it's common <laughs> vernacular to me. I still do it. I've been out seven years and I still use use army stuff uh, in my vocabulary because it's just so deeply ingrained in the way I communicate, the way I see the world, the way I think. And that's a really, it is funny, but it's also very unsettling to walk around feeling like every single person that you see on a daily basis can't relate to what you're thinking, what you're feeling, what you're seeing. It becomes lonely and weird. And that experience is something that I will always take with me. But I thought about that in the context of, I bet you firefighters feel like that. I bet you cops feel like that. I bet you domestic violence victims and rape victims and athletes who've been abused feel like that too. And if you're walking around, I, I work in New York City. I'm surrounded by people all the time. You walk around in New York City, probably most of those people feel like that. Yeah some form or fashion. So whether something happened to them, they have a family member that experienced trauma. It's really, it's insane when you start to think about the potential spread of that feeling. And so is there a way to connect people through community, through motivation, through the outward expression where you don't have to say it, wear it on a shirt. You don't have to say it. We say, I'm working on my mental health. I'm dealing with some challenges. I'm part of a community where it's okay to say, I'm working on this. I'm just going to put one foot in front of the other. And maybe somebody walks by somebody else wearing that shirt and they're like, that's cool. They're in the club too. That's the larger vision is to create a space where people feel like they're not alone because no one is, we're all dealing with this shit, but yeah. no one wants to talk to each other about it. <laughs> You're exactly right. I mean, 
Yeah, that being dropped off into a different world. That's I've never heard it put that way, but that's exactly how it felt, even for me. Even to, even to this day, there's times where I'm just like, I'm sitting. If I'm in the office, I'm like, what the hell is going on with these people? Like, I just don't get it. Uh-huh. Um, uh, I think there's that's probably how it always it, at this point it'll always be like that. I'm not sure if I'll ever fully understand it. Um, but yeah, I mean, because my first job I had was is a part-time job at Lowe's when I first got on the Navy. And I remember just thinking like, man, this is, this is just crazy. I don't, I don't fit in here. I don't fit in like amongst people. I like they're shopping. They're complaining about yeah. oh, this. Oh, they don't have any soil out here. I'm just like, like, God, who cares? Just get another, a different bag. You know, my mind is like, just grab a different brand. Like it, do you really need that specific one? But and then just the work ethic is different also. Mm-hmm. That's one, one of those things. I still notice that today. I'm not saying I outwork everybody, but I think it's easier to out. I think I've brought this up to one of my friends who just recently got out. He's already been out for a year. I was like, it's easy to outwork civilians. I was like, you, you'll be shocked how easy it is. That's not every civilian. So if there's, I know somebody listening to this, I'm like, oh my God, I work my ass off. Uh-huh. But I'd say like eight out of 10 of them, you can definitely outshine relatively easy. And I think it's because kind of like you're saying, even this whole thing, like you're in New York, you're walking by them. They're just this mundane every single day grind of, Oh God, I'm clocking in. I'm sitting down I'm going home and we're doing it too. I know I've, I've been in that situation. I'm sure or other veterans and other individuals in general have, but it's easy to outwork that for me. I think mentally, because as bad as it, as uh, even at my worst times when I got out, I was still motivated to work extremely hard. Mm-hmm. I never let it really seep into how I work, which is still kind of weird because a lot of when I got older or further out and started getting to like an actual career, my work starts seeping more into like how I felt instead of how it was before. Um, but yeah, I always thought it was super easy to outwork. I'm gonna still feel that way to this day. It's it's mm-hmm. easy to find solutions because I think in the military you're extremely solution driven. Yeah, you're trying to find ways to to do things, even if it's even if it's fast, you're effective. Where mm-hmm. I think where I've seen a lot of it's let's just put a band aid on it. It's it's done. Right. And some Navy guys are gonna laugh because Navy does just paint over rust. <laughs> We do that. I mean, I don't know how many times I painted over rust in my life, but definitely painted over it enough to know that that's not the right way to do it. Right. right. <laughs> um, but also, one of the things I think is extremely important for for anybody that's gone through or struggling with anything, especially veterans, because uh, I think there's more relatability for me when it comes to this, at least. Yeah. It's not to rom- uh, romanticize the past. It took me a long time to to grasp that there's still times where I, I start doing it, especially like when I go visit my family and I think, man, when I used to come here, when I was in the military and see you guys, it was such a prideful experience and everybody was just open arms now. Just like, Oh, Travis is here. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it, it, it's hard to get out of that mindset of romanticizing the past. Yeah. Uh, Cause I mean, like I said, when I got out, I missed it. I loved cause I loved what I did. I truly right. loved being on the flight deck, totally different experience in a rush that I've never been able to duplicate. But um, 
it's easy to get stuck in that living in the past. Like, Oh man, this was great. I had the time of my life, but then you lose sight of what's happening now, your goals in the future. And I think that's where you get into, okay, I want to, you know, kill myself for alcohol and get down these paths. I don't fit in. I don't fit in with anybody. And -hmm. it's easy to do that. Um, That's one of the things I tell everybody, you know, be future driven, live in the now plan for the future. Cause uh, it's easy to get stuck in that. Yeah, man. I, I love lacing up the boots every day. I miss those people. I miss what I did. It's so easy to do that. We were cool. And you know what I <laughs> do sort of to your point and, and we still do it. We hold on to it as a positive, which it is, but in the military, we define our self-worth by our job, right? Yep. You're in the Navy. I'm in the army. We're serving our country. We're doing something that we should be proud of, which is all true, but you define your worth by your job and you do that long enough. And you learn that that's a good thing. And then your family reinforces it and your friends reinforce it. Not that it's a bad thing. It's just the way it is. Then you get out and you're working at whatever job it is. And that's what you know. That's what you're taught. And you're working at Lowe's talking about dealing with customers and and you try to define your self-worth by that job. That's that's not fun. You don't want to be defined by that. (laughs) (laughs) You're feeling down on yourself and you're thinking, what am I doing here? And you sort of fixate and ruminate on the fact that you don't have the same purpose that you used to. And so I think that's a mental transition that is not spoken about enough, right? And to your point, yes, start focusing on other things, your family, your friends, your future, your goals, spirituality, whatever it is that resonates with you, figure out something other than your job to define what makes you worthy, because that's a quick path to yeah, negative coping mechanisms, feeling down on yourself, fantasizing about the past, thinking about how you peaked at 25, <laughs> but that's a way to get down on yourself. And, you know, perhaps is another dark place that, that people go to. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, and honestly, my transition, I, even though I, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people think it was horrible just because of what I've said, but it's actually really overall is as good as it probably could be. You know, uh, I met my wife while I was in Navy and my now wife, cool. um, when she was going to school in San Diego, but if it weren't for her, I always tell her this, if man, I don't know where I would have been. Cause when I got out, I was just a wreck. I don't know how she stuck with me through all that turbulence and just emotional roller coaster yeah, man. that I was on for a good man, at least four or five years, maybe even a little bit longer. She'd probably say longer, uh, <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, it's 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 insane because I'm lucky to have had that. And like you said, you had your wife and family. And I like to think we're the lucky ones, even though we talk about how bad it got for us at certain points where we had people still. And um, like the other day, I was just driving and got off the freeway and I see the individual on the sign, you know, veteran, homeless veteran. It's like I always wonder what happened to where that person had nobody that got to be. I can't even imagine because he was older. I'm not sure. I'm not going to say he was Vietnam type vet, but probably like a desert storm, something along those lines. Yeah. Um, it's like, how, yeah. You know, how does it, I can't even imagine coming home and there's nobody like, what do you, what do you do? Luckily for us, we kind of had that. This is what we need to do. Like we had some responsibility still to not only ourselves, but to, a loved one so it's like okay we got each other i'm here for you as much as you're here for me 
mm-hmm. but coming home and there's nothing i guess be the the most loneliest feeling in the entire world after going through a significant event for yeah. four or e- events for four years or however long that individual's in so yeah i can't imagine man and that's it you know you get it why people turn to two extreme alternatives and um that's it's part of what you and i are trying to do right is find those people help them realize that you're not actually alone it definitely feels like it and i get why it feels like it but you're not there's people out there who care about you there's people out there who can relate to you there's resources out there to help you um hopefully we can get to a point where we can connect with all those people yeah i sure hope so and and i and thinking about even um the woman I had on Air Force veteran Shannon, who came on and she's talking about how breast cancer, even amongst veteran veteran women yeah. and in ca- cancer in general that are popping up for veterans, um, you know, especially involved with those burn pits. Yep. I always think that got to be, I mean, Alex, for myself, I don't know how that must have been or how that situation must have been for those individuals, but uh, to, to have served for however long you've served, you come home and 20 years later you get cancer because of those burn pits yeah. and what other things there could possibly be that you run into. And I, I, cause I never thought about that till I talked to her. Mm-hmm. It's that got to be even more damaging. Cause I can't even imagine like we're talking about what we've gone through. You've gone through how significant of a impact those events have made on your life. And then, 10 years from now you find out you also have cancer and you've just battled years over getting over what you've gone through or trying to cope with it somehow find a balance where you know it's not eating at you and then that happens and it's related Mm -hmm. to what you did Um, that gets to be i mean i I don't know too much about all that part of it quite yet definitely wants to look more into that but it's that got to be just the hardest thing in the world and mm. but um yeah so <laughs> um yeah so let's let's see here i was gonna pull up your your site here as well for everybody real quick appreciate it man no problem and i do appreciate you actually supporting the brand too i love that shirt on you man that looks great that's one of my favorite ones it's one of the first ones i made yeah i like it um you did I definitely got to work out a little bit more. I got, I was like, it fits good. It fits really good. But man, I don't, I don't do the shirt any justice. I just got regular arms and stuff. No, it looks great on you, dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, what's going on here? How come my computer is acting crazy? Let me see. Come okay, make right. sure you put in the new website. I had a very difficult to remember web address until a couple of days ago. And then I finally found one that, that was memorable. All right. Was it the one that's on your Instagram or is yeah. that? Okay. I updated, it. I updated it. Yeah. All right. Let's see if I got the right one here. While I'm doing this, I was going to ask you since you were, no, you went to West Point, you were an officer. Mm-hmm. When you were. Mama, where am I ring though? Don't worry. <laughs> no, when... <laughs> so when you got there, because I know how it is for Navy folks. Um, let me see. That was just gonna pop it up. Oh, there it goes. Yeah, we always laughed at officers. We were just like, <laughs> Man, 
look at these guys. They got no experience. They're coming over here. They're trying to tell us what to do. Is that kind of your? <laughs> of course. You know, no. it's it's a funny thing that my friends and I have have uh, talked about a lot, laughed about a lot, and I get it. When you're in school, <laughs> when you're in officer training, you're told that you always have to have the right answers. You always have to have a decision at the tip of your tongue. I get that because you have to project confidence. You're truly in charge of everything about these 35 guys up to and including their lives. So you, you have to be confident. You have to be confident. But I think the piece that, that you have to learn from experience is you don't know shit. And, <laughs> and, so, and everyone learns that at a different point. Uh, I was very fortunate to have some great non-commissioned officers and soldiers who taught me that early on. And we're just like, you don't know shit, man. So like, <laughs> <laughs> this together uh and it's it's great and i think every everyone learns that at a different speed and the only way that you can be not successful as an officer is if you don't listen to your people and you you just have to at a certain point swallow your pride swallow your ego and just realize that you you do have to listen to these people because they've been there they know it they're trying to help you um but it is a it's a relationship that you have to develop over time and it has to be built on trust and and it wasn't a linear progression for me. And there was definitely, and, and every person I know who's an officer, there's conflict. There's times where you think you're right. And based on what, I don't know. And in retrospect, you're like, <laughs> I totally was not right. I just said I was right. Uh, but it's it was a great learning experience. And I've taken a lot of those lessons with me into the civilian world. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach them to my son. So hopefully he's not as uh, stubborn as I was. <laughs> yeah, because I... It's funny, uh, we uh, in the Navy, they do a log day when you cross the equator. Uh -huh. And I remember we had a, I think he was a lieutenant, so he was an officer, and he was getting dragged in the mess. Like, so they just mess with you. Like, you get beat up by people that had done it already. <laughs> they call them shell back, so you get, like, punk. They, like, you, know, you just, it's a it's a full day just beat down. But uh, <laughs> I remember they're dragging an officer through the mess. They had all this whole rotten food on the ground. I remember looking at him. I was like, crap, man, he's just like me. I was like, this guy, I'm, why am I saluting him? That's crazy. But uh, <laughs> obviously, I didn't say that to his face, but in my mind at the time, I was like, man, Lieutenant, whatever. That's it. We were the same thing, dude. I thought you've been in forever. You're you're just like me. That's right. It's, it's <laughs> a weird thing. Yeah, most of my, I was the same age as most of my privates and specialists, and all my NCOs are older than me. So it's a weird, it's a weird thing that you have to get used to. Um, you know, you're in charge, you're responsible for the things that, that go wrong, but you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's, I can't even, uh, that has to be extremely hard too, especially if you're going from college to like an active war zone too, where there's been individuals there for, you know, a number of years at that point. So it humbles you quickly. There's no, <laughs> um, yeah. So, Here's your your website. I wanted to bring this part up because this yeah, I appreciate it. one of the major parts um, of what you do, if not the part of your company that is the most important. Obviously, uh, is you're donating to charity. Um, so yeah, I'll let you explain explain that or walk us through all this. For those who listen to this, we have a the website pulled up. It is lfrfshirts.com. Uh, everything that you buy um, is 100% donated. Um, so yeah, I'll let Mark explain that a little bit more. 
Yeah, I appreciate it, man. And you're right. This is the most important part of the company. This is what differentiates it from other companies. And as I was thinking about, and there, there's um, this company and this idea was an evolution and it was part of my journey. It was part of conversations I've had with, uh, you know, individuals who've had similar experiences to me. And it's also part of me getting back into working out and enjoying wearing cool shirts to the gym. So I was thinking about it and I was talking to a friend and thinking, Hey, why don't, why don't we just make cool shirts ourselves? That, so we don't have to buy it from somebody else to look exactly the way we want them to look. They'll, they'll be cool. They'll be motivating, inspirational. And then this is a side gig, I have a great job that helps me provide for my family. There's no need to use this as a money-making venture. So why don't we just donate everything, all the proceeds to charity. And as soon as I had that thought, I, I knew that I had to start putting time and effort into this to make this happen. It just seemed like such a cool idea. I, don't think anyone is doing this. Um, there's a ton of companies out there, amazing companies that do something very similar and donate a portion of proceeds to charity. But I have not seen one that that is truly nonprofit donating everything. Um, so I thought it was a great way to give back. It's been a really fun and rewarding passion project and something I hadn't really anticipated, but that I've really enjoyed throughout the experience is meeting some great people yourself included. It's, it's been amazing to meet so many like-minded people, mostly through Instagram, uh, and, and just realizing, which I, I knew, but I'm not alone in this and nobody's alone in this. And we're all working on the same thing. We just got to get better about helping people realize that, that they're not alone. Yeah. It's, I think that's, uh, the hardest part for an individual to, to accept is that, you're not alone. Like it, it yeah. might seem like that. Like you said, you know, when you first got out and you felt like you were on like alien planet in a sense, you know, it's just, yeah. While you're, you're feeling that way, there's, I forget how, how what the population of veterans are, it, our number that make up the total population of uh, civilians and stuff like that are people just yeah. running around, yeah. but there's, thousands of hundreds of thousands maybe millions of individuals that are doing feel the same way you know they're they're just like man i'm going through through this and i feel alone and and i think a lot of people will be surprised there's most likely I, I found this at least along the way there's another veteran that might you may work with you don't even realize it because yeah. they they're in that same boat as you but when yeah. you find out i it, personal experience when i have found out man, we, we just hit it off. Like all of a sudden we're just talking all the time, Like I'll go to their office. They come to mine or somebody says something stupid. We kind of just both look at each other. Like, man, did you just hear that person's right. <laughs> like it, that brotherhood yeah. builds up so fast once you find out no matter the, the branch too. I think that's the funniest mm -hmm. part. And, uh, back into it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you still rip on each other. Like I, was, I know you were in the army, but you know, it's the army kind of a deal that's how everybody is like marines i'd always tell them hey we just dropped you guys off and then we left you know so right, right. Later. good luck that's it but, uh, <laughs> yeah. all there's something about this that i wanted to get your perspective on and i was i didn't listen to your first episode i listened to a bunch of your episodes um but i didn't listen to your first one on purpose because i wanted to hear what you said so these shirts and there's 
there's uh, about 15. There's a couple of custom jobs on here that I need to take down because they look weird to the average person. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I got to take them down. But uh, I have about 15 designs on here. I have about 50 that I made. And so to my family and friends and people who know me closely, I think everyone's pretty surprised that I designed all these myself because I'm not a traditionally super creative person. I don't project that in my personal life, in my professional life. I was an infantry guy. I'm just not, I'm not really an artist. And so I, I did design all these myself, uh, which I think surprises people. But the first 20 or 30 that I made really, really suck. And <laughs> I kept them uh, and I look at them all the time and I, I think about them because they mean something to me. But when I took a step back and when I asked some family and friends and people I trust and people I know well, I was like, hey, what do you think about these? Like, would you buy this shirt? Would you wear this shirt? It was absolutely hysterical. People were just like, bro, those are bad. That's <laughs> bad, man. <laughs> so like, it was a good lesson for me because, you know, your first anything sucks. It's very rare that you have this God-given talent in something. You know, some people do, that you take yeah. off on something immediately and you're really good at it. But I'm really proud of these. Uh, they're selling way, way better and way more than, than I anticipated. We've donated 550 bucks just this month. We've donated wow. $1,700. And I, I started right after Easter. So it's just been about two months. We've donated $1,700 total. Um, so I'm really proud of that. And obviously, people like some of these things, which is cool. But my first <laughs> one's bad. And it's a good reminder for me and hopefully for everybody else that your first anything is really going to suck and just keep at it. Cause if you're passionate about it, it's worth doing, it's worth spending the time on and you're going to get better. And if it, it's, it's worth pursuing. So I wanted to hear how your first podcast episode was. Cause Oh I man. Um, here's your Instagram page too, real quick for everybody. Um, who's interested as well. And if you're listening, just look up LFR or yeah, LFRF company and Instagram, and it'll pop up on there as well. Got some cool pictures and everything. Um, bringing PTSD awareness. Um, yeah, really. Thank you, man. Really cool stuff. I mean, needs uh, you can't ever have too much. You know, bring too much awareness to these things. I think they're sure. the more people that do it, the better. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, going back to what you're saying, so your question my first podcast i originally started one with um my friend my best friend who recently got out of the navy as well uh or he yeah he just got about a year ago when i was telling i mentioned earlier i told him it's easy outwork civilians yeah um yeah so he was in for 13 years we joined at the same time we met in our a school in pensacola florida i hated him i remember hating him and then <laughs> He used to just piss me off. And then we got stationed together on the USS Nimitz. And he was a guy I had to wake up. I mentioned every mm -hmm. every morning because I don't know why I, I was the one to do it. Because we both equally partied hard and uh -huh. did the same thing. But I had to wake him up. I don't know why it was my responsibility. But, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so we, we made a, a, a run at it. We did two episodes. Um that were pretty, I think we did really good. Mm -hmm. Um, it just kind of 
didn't materialize after a while. This is not last December, maybe a year, the December before, like two years ago, mm-hmm. I think. Um, it just didn't end up taking off the way, or I mean, things just got kind of complicated. It was hard to, sure. to find time because he was still in the Navy at that time. And mm-hmm. um, like he'd go out to sea or, you know, just trying to find time to record. Yeah. It was extremely difficult. I can imagine. Um, so I got pushed to the side and then I figured I'd start one up again here. I've, I think I can't remember when I, my first episode was for this specific podcast, the Broom show, but uh, um, it wasn't initially supposed to, I wasn't initially going to do a veteran driven podcast. Hmm. It was my first podcast was with um, a friend from high school and we kind of just shot the shit. It, it was kind of like that up till man, maybe like the fourth or fifth episode, somewhere around there. Um, or it kind of hit me one night. I was just like, you know what? I can, it might not be the most popular thing to do. Hmm. Um, but I like, there's something talking to other veterans and talking to my best friend, even. Yeah. Um, where there's like a comfort level and I just really enjoy doing it. Um, I get that. Like there's a veteran at work that I talk to all the time. He served back in, I think he's actually a Vietnam vet. If I remember right. I talked to him quite a bit. We, and I just kind of like, hit me. It was like, man, nobody really does this. You know, nobody. Yeah, <laughs> I'm great. sure there are, I didn't even look it up, but I'm sure there's plenty of veteran podcasts out there. Um, that, I know, uh, like a lot of what we do on, on my podcast is talk about like what we've talked about today is mm-hmm. um, mental health and stuff like that. But uh, at the same time, we talk about a little bit of everything. I feel like, and yeah, so it's kind of changed over the last six episodes. So that's roughly four or five months, somewhere along those lines. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's changed, and I think it's changed for the best. Um, Cause I love doing this actually. And I was telling my wife, I was like, I don't care how many people actually click on this thing and listen to it. I know I've like shrunk my target audience to like this extreme, extremely small group of people, but it's fun. And it is that whole connecting. There is like this sense yep. of um, like a, not just a peace of mind, but I feel a little bit more comfortable just talking to Same. veterans like yourself. Like the conversation is just easier. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to do that with it's hard to like spark up a conversation with just into anybody um, about anything, Mm -hmm. which I've, which I've learned. So I agree with you, man. Yeah. (laughs) I know that you have a similar background that we can relate uh, on a lot of different levels. We've had similar experiences. It just naturally lends itself to a really nice conversation. It's, I love that you're doing this because I haven't seen a lot of veteran podcasts, if any. It's and I'm sure you're passionate about it. It clearly shows. Yeah, I I love it. Um, and it's it's funny because that it, well, it's something I've always wanted to do. Not necessarily the podcasting part of it, but I've always wanted to, um, like have like an outreach type thing or help veterans. I've told my wife that before. It's like, man, if I could just somehow make money so we can like what I'm making for my job and just do it full time. I mean, I'd love if that happened with this eventually, but that's not the goal. That's not the goal with this. But um, I had told her, I was like, man, I would do it every day. Like if I can somehow supplement the income, not necessarily from helping veterans, but just yeah. 
doing stuff with veterans, building a, a, a community um, where we can all bounce off each other. You know, if we're going through a hard time, they have another person to, to reach out to. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause it's not like I said, I said of my personal experience, that wasn't there or if it was, I didn't know it, mm-hmm. you know, and I, a lot of what I've to got to the point where I'm at now, a lot of it's been self self-motivated, self-driven. I've got to this point by, Mm-hmm. Having those like aha moments where I'm like right. looking in the mirror, which is hard to do and be like, what the hell am I doing? You know, this is not the man I wanted to be when I was when I joined the military. So if that 18 year old kid could look at me now, I had this specific thought one day in my head. like if that 18 year old kid could look at me now, how disappointed would they be to know this is what I'm doing to myself? You know, because wow. it's can't do that to yourself, dude. Yeah. You know, and I was like. So that that's when I was like, I really got to make that 18 year old kid that was so excited to join the military proud because cool. right now I'm just doing them a disservice by, by, uh, I felt like I was crushing my own dream in a sense mm-hmm. at one point. Like, I know what you mean. yeah, I know what you uh, mean. It's amazing that you found that, that source of purpose. It goes back to what we were talking about before, right? Because you, you have it inherently when you're in the military and you have a brotherhood and you have people around you that, are all on board with the same thing and you're rowing in the same direction and you feel really good about it. So you got to find something when you get out for you, it's been this. And for me, it's been this and, you know, reconnecting with myself a little bit better. And, um, and we're very lucky that we found that. And so we have an obligation to help other people figure out what it is. that's going to help. Exactly. And that's, what's been so cool about, all these episodes, my, I think my first veteran one was with, uh, Adam, uh, who's has his lower 22 vets, mm-hmm. um, super cool app, you know, kind of like what we've talked about, you bringing veterans together and stuff like that. It's, it's an yeah. awesome app for anybody that has already downloaded it or wants to download it. it. It's, it's extremely cool. cool. Cause it pulls up veterans in your local area. If they're signed into it. Oh, no way. And uh, yeah, it's kind of like his, his thing too, is like, you know, It'd be how many times I just wanted to look up, hey, there's a veteran next to me. Let's go golf. Yeah. You know, just to build that um that tribe as what James had said in the last episode, build that tribal community back. Yeah. Because it's so true. I, I can't remember who said it on one of the podcasts, but when you're in the military, like you said, you're you're really close with these people, these individuals. I've I'd certainly experienced that myself. I mean, my wedding, my groomsmen were all my, my buddies from in the Navy, of course. like her best friends, you know, but then you scatter to the winds. Like everybody's just yeah. over here and South ones in the uh, Northwest ones on the East coast. And it's like, you never get to see each other. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there are other veterans, there are other veterans that would love to, to do what we're doing. Even if it's just talking, going to the gym, working out together, mm-hmm. uh, whatever it may be, you know, it's, shit even just a cup of coffee with another veteran i'm sure it'd be ease the mind of a of a veteran that's going through something so no doubt but uh all right mark well thank you for coming on i really appreciate it thank Uh, you brother. i really appreciate you having me it was a pleasure meeting you it was so cool talking to you hearing about what you're doing here and uh and you know thank you for the chance to showcase what i'm doing and and i genuinely mean it thank you for supporting to it it's such a I can't fully describe how cool it is to have somebody pay for something you made 
to so to see you wearing a shirt that I made is a really cool thing. And knowing that we together <laughs> donated a hundred percent of the proceeds to charity to support veterans and first responders and athletes and survivors of sexual trauma dealing with PTSD is is such a cool thing. And we can both feel really good about that. So thank you, bro. Well, no problem. Anytime. Um, yeah, off your air too. I want to get some help with making some shirts. I definitely got some yeah, hell yeah. designs. I need to send over or something. Maybe you can help me out. So yeah, yeah for, I I can just make it for you if you want. Okay. I can show you how to do it. Yeah, yeah. If you can make, that'd be great. Yeah, gave you the time and effort. This was a couple months ago. <laughs> Dude, I was.